Um, before I get into the message today, I have something else very exciting to share uh, with you. Um, in church, there's a whole lot of things to pay attention to as far as from the leadership end of it all. And I do believe that the Bible uh, describes and instructs some things concerning growth and that God does want things to grow. Health is the determinant factor that healthy things grow. And so we really focus on every way that we can to make sure that, you know, what we do is healthy and God-pleasing and, and God-prescribed. And there are trends that happen, though, within attendance, which is one measurement of it all. And uh, you're in attendance today, and I thank you for that. Uh, that's a huge thing, not just for, for us, but for you, because church days do, they, they really do, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, we watch, though, historically, and, and this is in American culture, okay, in American culture. Other cultures are, are um, I don't want to offend you today, they're not as spoiled as we are, okay? And, for example, uh, when, if you went into a, the lobby of a doctor's office and uh, there were six chairs and there was already one person in a chair and those chairs were in a line, you normally won't go sit next to that guy, will you? You know, you'll kind of midway or all the way down. We just kind of do that. It's part of, part of one of the quirks of our culture. But with that being said, we historically find, and, and there's national studies on this, that in January, in the new year, you see surge and growth in attendance. And that's because it's, it's New Year's, ah, our life's a mess, we've got to get it back in order, New Year's resolutions, we're getting ourselves in church, and so people do that. And, and then that tends to go for a while. And then different things happen and so forth. And then the other surge time of the year is back to school time. You know, vacation's over. We've got to get ourselves together. We've got to get the kids used to getting up early again and do this and do that and get it all in order. And so people head back to church in the fall as well. And historically what we find, we find that surge and there'll be some good growth of the church. And then things will do a little bit of this number. And then, you know, we get into spring breaks and then vacations and then summer and, and so forth. And then, and then after summer, we, we pick back up again. Well, something really interesting is happening this year. And, and the trend of, and the surge is bigger than it's been. And it's also not just lasting longer, but it, it kind of keeps on going up. And so that's a good thing. I said, that's a good thing. And so we're, we're honestly about 500 plus over where we normally would be at this point in the year. And I give God great praise for that. And I'm glad you're a part of that. Amen. But <clears throat> it creates a few problems for us, you know, and so we, we need to take care of a few things. One of the problems that it creates is back in our children's areas. Uh, you know, getting kids checked in and having space for all of them and the adequate number of workers because we have ratios that we keep and then parking and so forth. And so all of that being said, in American culture, there's a thing called the 80% rule and that when you reach, in American culture, church culture, when you reach about 80% of capacity, it's time to make more room. And so uh, we're at a place where we've, we've got to do that. And you'd say, well, I still see a, f- a few seats. Yeah, but we're way over our 80% for our, for our Sunday morning attendance. And you can't ride that too long or you frustrate 
things and, and bring it back down. And, and think of it, if, if you go back and you can't put your kids in nursery or, or it's so crowded or we overcrowded or whatever, you're not going to be very comfortable out here. And then you'll go, we'll watch on the internet, you know? And so we don't, we don't want that to happen. So here's, here's our solution. There's what we're doing. We're going to three Sunday morning services. Okay. Three Sunday morning services. Come on. Y'all rejoice with me here. Uh, Hey, this is way better than saying, folks, it's just going down, 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 and we're going to one service, and it's actually going to be at my house, okay? You know, you know so this is, this is what we want to happen. This will begin on Palm Sunday, okay? So that is March 24th, uh, and until then, I need you all just keep plowing. Don't get frustrated with traffic or anything else. Just keep plowing, and we've got good systems, all that's going on, but here will be our new times, 830 10 o'clock, we've got a slide there, 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30. 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30. Say it with me. 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30. Now, we're here at 11, so I don't know which one you're going to pick, but you make sure you get here, okay? Uh, you can come to two of them if you want and figure it out. Uh, I don't mind. And then also I need you to do this. We're making room then, sanctuary-wise, parking-wise. I, I run into people all the time say, I'd come to your church, but every time I, I go out there, it looks like the parking's full. And I actually had one guy said, I'd, I'd come out there, but there's sheriff standing right there by the road. And I, <laughs> I, I, I got some things I got to get squared away first. That is a true story. That is a true story. So just be friendly and just come on in. It'll work out, you know. So, uh, but beginning, beginning on Palm Sunday, and folks, we are planning and believing God for an incredible Palm Sunday, Easter, those two weekends. But we will begin our three services, and hopefully, we can just keep those things just right on going. And rejoice with me because this this is an awesome thing because it's the family of God, it's the kingdom of God gaining, gaining, gaining ground, and we're thrilled about that. Amen. All right, we got to dive into the Word here. And uh, since I don't have a service after this, I'm just going to take my jolly time here. To, to, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, we've been talking about home, and this world is not our home. I said this world is not our home. Heaven is our home. And we're feeling less and less at home here. Um, heaven is the habitation of God, and it's the destination of believers. That's a beautiful thing. So we're here, though. Okay, if that's home, why are we here? We're here because we have a great, huge purpose. And part of that purpose is to help other people find their way home. Did you all hear me on that? That's the mission of God, is to help other people find out. We just sang about it. We talk about it, to help them find uh, that God loves them and help them to find their way home. So while we're here, we have great purpose. Everybody say great purpose. And I think if we focus really on that great purpose, we'll also find the second thing. We'll have full provision. We'll have full provision. We're ambassadors here, and we, we receive all of our support and help from the homeland. And God supplies supernatural things. There's supplements from heaven. You can't find peace on earth, but you can, you, you can find peace as a supplement from heaven. There's a joy, a real joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. God will work in your life. God will grace you. God will give you favors. God ever given you favors? God ever worked out something for you? And it's like, if it hadn't been for God, I don't know what it would happen. How about this? Has God ever provided for you? Has there ever been a, a need, a situation of your life? Oh, we're going down, we're going down. And, and guess what? God came through. Come on, I need to see your hands on that. God, God somehow did. You can't explain really how he did it, but God did that for you. Come on, come on. 
And that's help from heaven. That's your heavenly father. And while you're here, he'll take care of you. He hadn't lost you. He's got GPS like you wouldn't believe. So we've got this great purpose. We've got full provision. And as I shared with you two weeks ago, we have an incredible heavenly father. Incredible heavenly father. And heavenly father speaks to this, that we're in, and and Pastor Mike shared just a, a great job on this last week, the family, the family of God. We have not only our earthly families, but we've got the family of God. We have, I have, you have brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers in the Lord, in the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, Paul said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father. Everybody say Father. To the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what? He's also your Father, your Heavenly Father. Watch this. From whom the whole family, the whole family, and look where the family is. In heaven and earth are named. The whole family in heaven and earth. Listen to me. There's a whole lot of family here that we're with on earth. And we got some family waiting on us in heaven. Amen. Any of y'all got some family? I mean, brothers and sisters, even some natural family that were also family in the Lord. You know, they're waiting on us in heaven. Dear friends that my brothers, my sisters that have gone on before us, they're waiting on us. But we're back here and we have, we have a huge purpose. We have full provision. We have a heavenly father and, and we've got, we're in this wonderful family of God, and I'm thankful for it. Amen? Amen? Now, the Bible teaches us some things, especially New Testament. And this is God's system. This is God's equation. And I'll break this down as, as we go here. But first of all is this. Alone. Everybody say alone. alone. And then secondly is all together. All together. Let's say all together. And then thirdly is together. And I want to kind of break this down for us and it's going to hopefully make some real sense to us. And I want to bring to you some real why of something, not just what about something, but the why. Some compelling reasons why we're even looking at at small groups and what that would mean. And I, and I believe God's really going to help us today to see this equation that, that God has for us. Now, First of all, alone, you and I as a discipline are to practice solitude. I believe that you should have times that you get alone with your Heavenly Father. I really find that people that never spend time alone, they don't have anything to offer others. And also those that never spend time alone will go anywhere with others. You find your center, you find your core, you find your purpose, you find your identity in your alone time with your heavenly father. It's a discipline. It's not our lifestyle that we're, that we stay isolated or whatever. Matter of fact, the scripture warns against that. And, and we're not designed, we're not meant to go it alone, but there has to be this part of our life. And listen to me, get, get this pattern here. There is something that happens in your time alone. With your heavenly father, you, you can't find that anywhere else. Amen. Nothing else will even come close to that. And I'm on you all the time. I push you all the time. If I could get you to do just one thing, get alone with your heavenly father. I don't have time. You have as much time as everybody else does. Amen. It's how you use it. 
And if you want to use it to sleep a little later or whatever, you know, and that's for me, for me to really find that time, I've got to, I've got to show up before anything else, anybody else is happening. And so it's early in the morning. Now I'll say this, it's worth it. And I don't wake up early because I'm all rested. I wake up early because I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. I can take a nap and, and I love naps. Oh, can I get a better amen? Yeah. All right. And don't take one now. Okay. But something happens in this alone time that, that doesn't happen. But, but we are not made. We're not designed. We're not meant to go it alone in life. The Genesis model was this. God said it's not good. It's not good that man would be alone. It warns us. It says it's dangerous to be alone. And it says it's better. Everybody say it's better. It's better that you have other people. And, and, and this is kind of a point that I want to make to you. We're better together. Everybody say it. We're better together. Yes. Say it one more time. We're better together. Yes. And Proverbs tells us, it says that if you isolate yourself, you, you rage against all sound judgment. Listen to this in Psalm 68. It says that God, God says this, a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And so we're not meant to go it alone. And, and, but there's the alone part, time with God, but we're not to be the lone ranger, the lone stranger uh, Christianity. We have to have other people in our life all together and then also together. Are you with me? Amen. Now in Acts chapter 2, uh, in verse 42, it says, and this is the early churches. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were what? Were together and had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continuing daily in one accord in the temple, everybody say all together, and breaking bread from house to house, say together, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And watch this, watch this. All of that happening together caused something so dynamic, so magnetic, so God-honoring, so God-empowering that we end up in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added daily to the church those that were being saved. And so God has this system here. And, and I promise you, it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. That's what the apostles were teaching. The apostles had been with Jesus. And they saw that Jesus was a man of solitude. That he often withdrew from the crowd to be with his heavenly father. He went from place of prayer to place of prayer with miracles in between. They watched him do it. They said, Jesus, how do you do this? They watched him so much. Teach us to pray. And he called them aside. Many times he pulled them away out of their schedule to be alone. So I promise you they were teaching that as doctrine into their people. But also it says that they were meeting together in the temple all together. Say it again, all together. And then house to house or in, in smaller together. Everybody say together. We're better together. We're better together. Now let's, let's move on here and look at something in, in um, Hebrews. And I want to read Hebrews 10 verse 23 through 25 in the New, uh, New International. It says, let us hold unswervingly. How many of you used that word this past week? 
Probably not. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us, notice that, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, that's, that's all together here, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, let's go back to this idea of unswervingly. Your, your Bible may have said without wavering, okay? And uh, how many of you know, though, I chose that to read that translation because I like that word, unswervingly. I think we should, we should bring it out. We should bring it back, okay? Use it this week, okay? Everybody use it at least twice. But um, unswervingly just immediately triggers this in me. We all have a tendency to swerve. In, in traffic, in life. And I'll tell you two reasons that can be avoided. Number one is drowsy. If you get drowsy, you get asleep at the wheel, you're going to swerve. You, you follow me? And I'm not really talking about driving. I'm talking about life. You can look, get a little drowsy and then you can, you can start swerving. And the other reason is this distraction. Distraction. You get distracted, you're going you're to start to swerve. Uh, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, Alicia and I, uh, with some good friends of ours, they pastored down in, in Naples, Florida, uh, Pastor Paul and Maria Fosleen. And uh, Paul, uh, Pastor Paul preached for you last summer one, one week while I was on vacation. And they're wonderful friends. They're so much fun. And they're just, they're just genuine, good deal, real deal people. We decided to take a, a trip to New York City together. Thought that would be fun. So we went and it rained the whole time. And... Um, <laughs> But we had a blast because we just enjoyed each other and got some great meals and did some fun things and stuff. Well, we flew from Tampa to JFK, and then we got a cab at JFK, and our, 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 our cabbie, our, our taxi driver, uh, I don't really think he spoke English. <laughs> okay, and he had a large beard and... and and everything else. And, and so there are four of us and we're in a cab. And so uh, Alicia, Maria, and Paul got in the back seat and I got up front, you know, and so I thought I'll be cordial and talk to the guy, but then I realized he doesn't speak English. So I just kind of, yeah. And then I kind of joined the conversation in the back seat. Well, we're not in the city yet. We're, we're coming from, from the airport and we're driving across one of the bridges. And all of a sudden we started to notice that he's like, and there's a lot of traffic, you know, a lot of traffic. And he starts like tapping the brake a little bit. And I thought, you know, what's the deal with that? And then we start swerving a little bit. And then all of a sudden this, this semi that's passed, you know, cause we're going over into his lane. So English or no English. Hey, 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 hey. We did. I'm not lying. I trying to find something to connect, you know, keep this guy awake. We made it. How many of you know in your life, uh, let me put it this way, had he been by himself? Hey, and sometimes in life you get drowsy. And if you don't have some people like, hey, what, what are you thinking? You don't love him, you don't even know his name. We get a little drowsy and we start to swerve. The other reason we swerve is because we get distracted. I'm going to tell it myself. Uh, this happens from time to time. 
This big truck was passing us. Alicia and I were driving along. Big truck taking supplies to McDonald's. And on the side of that truck is a 20-foot Big Mac. Come on, y'all, say it with me. Two all-beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Hallelujah. Now, they say they're not good for you, but how many know they taste good? All right. So I don't know. I just started to fantasize. Because the first fact is this. They never go bad. They last forever. When our kids were little, we found one under our seat. Know how long? The only thing wrong was the lettuce had withered. I microwaved that puppy. And, no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. But I'm, I'm driving thinking, man, a 20-foot Big Mac. They never go bad. If you could just keep it hot. I could lay on it. I could tunnel into it. I could have six friends over to watch the Super Bowl. All of a sudden, my wife goes, what are you doing? No, wait a minute. Let me rephrase it. She, she wouldn't sound like that. She said, honey, what are you doing? It was, it was, it's more like that. Because here's a principle. Listen, whatever you get, listen to this. Whatever you get distracted by, whatever you start to get focused on, you're going to start to head toward. You with me? If I'd been by myself, there'd be a big picture in the news of me crashing a McDonald's truck, okay? <laughs> Listen, you've got to have people. You've got to have people in your life close enough to you that can go, hey, 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 that you're drowsy or you're distracted. We've got to have other people in our life. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Now, we've got to make it our pattern as scripture says, the manner, the habit of our life to assemble together. At verse 25, if you'll remember back to Hebrews 10, in the Bible, we're back in the Bible, okay? Y'all quit thinking about food. It says, not forsaking the assembling. Everybody say all together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we're to assemble ourselves together. In the Greek, it means this, the complete collection. So in our kind of default mindset, when we mention church, we're talking about this. And that's what Scripture's talking about, that when we all come together. And let me tell you, church days affect the rest of our days. And let me promise you that when we come together, we're going to do two things. We're going to worship, and we're going to get into the Word. We're going to lift up Jesus, and then we're going to listen up to His Holy Word. And when we come together, the corporate anointing, something happens that's incredibly impacting when we all come together. That's why we say, that's why we believe that church days affect the rest of your days. And I'll tell you, church days affect the rest of your days because something happens during this time that cannot, will not, does not happen in any other setting in your life. And that's why scripture mandates that you make it your manner, your habit, your pattern, that you get to the all together part of this. And we're going to do our best to make sure that church is done right. And it's just vital. It's a must. It's not optional. Just as they met in the temple, we meet together like this. And it's vital that we do so. 
Well, there's one other thing that I want to look at here. And that is the together part. And there are a lot of ways that we get together. And what together represents, look at, look at me, what together represents is relationship. Relationship. And I want you to get used to this little phrase here. Real life change happens in the context of relationship. We're about to, on March 3rd, we're going to launch small groups. And we're not doing that because somebody else does that. We're not doing that because that's some program to do. I'm going to talk about it for, for a few moments here. We're doing it because I, I see a compelling, non-negotiable Bible reason why we need to do it. And I want to share it with you this morning because I think it's only going to add to the life because it fits. It fits God's system that, yes, we have that time alone. But, yes, we've got to come to all together. Because listen to me. Look at me. Look right here. There's something that happens here that cannot, will not, does not happen in any other setting. And there's something that happens here that cannot, will not, does not happen in any other setting. And there's something that's going to happen here that cannot, will not, does not happen in any other kind of setting. And so let's, let's venture into this just a little bit. What this does, what groups will do, it brings us together. It takes us past just what the all together is. Because here's, here's what happens, and we've got to be intentional about this. It takes us beyond. Y'all with me? Yes. It takes us beyond just waving in the parking lot. Smiling in the hallway. And everybody turn and greet your neighbor. And hey, I know that guy. He's always on my row. But how many of you know that's not going to help you when you're dozy? Or distracted? And, and a lot of other things. So let's, let's look at this concerning groups. What groups do, they help us to get close enough. To actually get in proximity. Close enough with one another. Follow this. So that we can be one another. And the whole context of virtually everything written to us in the New Testament is about being one another. Everybody say one another. Let me go over the list real quick here. 12 times it mentions that we're to love one another. We're to honor one another, be kind to one another, live in harmony with one another, accept and receive, teach, greet, which is to welcome, to enfold in the arms, to care for one another, to serve one another, to be patient with one another, to forgive one another, to submit to, to admonish. Admonish means to warn, teach, and counsel. Do you know why I need to be warned, taught, and counseled? Because we're all just one step away from stupid. Come on, we're quick to judge other people, but how many of you would admit it? We're probably just a step or two away from stupid. And we've got to be warned. We've got to be taught. We've got to be counseled. We've got to have that close enough in our life. To comfort one another, edify one another, exhort, which is to encourage and spur on, to assemble together, to pray for. Listen, I pray for y'all every day, but I can't pray for every one of you. Follow this. I can't pray for every one of you every day, but I need every one of you prayed for every day. And that can happen in this setting. Be hospitable toward one another. Fellowship with one another. Send gifts to one another. Because when all of this happens, something happens that all of us are designed, a need that we all have. Now, follow me carefully on this. Every one of us, I know this about every one of you here, although I may not personally know every one of you, because every one of us have this same makeup. Every one of us have a deep God-given need in us, watch this, to know and to be known. 
to love and to be loved and to serve and to be served. And it doesn't happen in the alone part and it doesn't happen in the altogether part, but it happens in the together part. Now, you, you may push back a little bit on that and say, well, I've got a list of cons regarding groups. Me too. But we've discovered they can be done right. Amen. And then we've discovered that this is something that actually God has prescribed as part of his system. Part of the pushback would be, well, I was in groups one other time, some other place, whatever, and, and uh, I had a bad experience. Me too. Matter of fact, I was uh, part of a church years ago and and part of some groups years, years and years ago that they were called cell groups back then. And we watched some of the cells turn into tumors. <laughs> and you'd say, well, I, I, I'm busy. Me too. Me too. Guess what? Guess what though? We've got groups all over the clock and we've got groups all over the map. And groups don't last forever. There's three little semesters that they, that they all fit in, and, and it's a way that you can connect. We commit to all kinds of other things, and I think we need to commit to God's system. Amen. Another thing we say, well, I don't I want to be in group because what if, what if it's boring? I've, I've been in boring groups before. I've probably led a boring group before. You too. But here's the thing. There's going to be such variety. As, as of this morning, we have about 102 groups that we are ready to launch of every variety. And again, all over the clock and all over the schedule, we've got over 102. And today, if you're interested in, in being a leader, today's the deadline to apply. And then we're launching on March 3rd. Leaders are being trained, getting ready for this. Here's another pushback. People say, well, I only want to be in a group with people that I like. Remember earlier on, I told you we're not in heaven yet. Okay. But I think you can be with a group of people that you like because you're focused on the same things. And then the other pushback would be this. Well, what if I get in and want to get out? Well, they don't last that long and there is an exit strategy. Here's the thing. I'm me too on all of those things, but we realize the importance of doing these things and we found out how to do them right. And just like church done right all together and then the together part, do it right. Let me encourage you to go to our website mbcocala.com and on the home page on the front page on the bottom part of that on the left hand side it's it's going to have growth track in the middle it's got small groups and on the right it has serving you can go down to small groups click on that and you're going to have all the information you're going to find out uh different types of groups who's leading a group where is a group is there one in my zip code what about this day uh what about this topic we've got such variety and and like i said just all over the place and all over the clock uh and there's a question and answer kind of thing there that will help you to answer any of the questions and here's the deal because this is how this is how strategically and this is where strategically we can get close enough to each other to actually as the scripture talks about be one another and be together now, real quick, in 586 B.C., anybody remember that? <laughs> One guy over here. 586 B.C., Jerusalem was conquered. It fell to Babylon. They not only conquered it, they destroyed it. And then they took the people into exile. 47 years later... In 539 B.C., the Babylonians fell to Persia, Assyria, and they were absorbed into that 
kingdom. The new Persian king had some favor toward the Jews because they were longing. You ready for this? They were longing to go home. He started to let some of the exiles to go because they wanted to go and rebuild their temple. They wanted to go back and see some things. He started to let them go. And then a hundred years later, a, a Jew comes along. His name is Nehemiah. And the king at the time of Persia is Cyrus. And Nehemiah is troubled. He's disturbed because the walls of his precious home city. And I don't, I don't think he'd ever been there. I think he'd read about it and heard about it. But he wants to go back, he said, because he was disturbed because even though exiles were going back to their home, the walls were not rebuilt. They'd been destroyed, destroyed by fire, torn down. And that bothered him. He felt, and I think he had a God-given unction to go and do something about that. He got favor from Cyrus and he went and he took some teams. And those teams went and they built, and get this, with his leadership and in just 52 days, 52 days, they rebuilt the walls. Significant project. Rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Even their enemies and the opposition that was around them had to stop and admit that is the work of God. Now, I want to read something to you real quick out of Nehemiah chapter 3. And at first, it's going to kind of sound mundane, but I'm going to tell you it has great significance. And there's some names in this passage that I'm going to read. I'm just going to read like three, four verses here. There's some names in here that, well, I don't know anybody with these names, okay? So I may, I may mess some of them up. So let's read along here. It says, then Eliashib, actually, I take that back. That was the, that was the name of our cab driver in, in <laughs> New, New York. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and, and built, notice, with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the tower of the hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the tower of Hananel, next to, everybody say next to. Next to Eliashib, the men of Jerusalem built. And next to them, everybody say next to them. Next to them, Zechor, the son of Imri built. Also the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kos, made repairs. Next to them, Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshalem. I just call him Mo, this guy. Made repairs. Next to them, everybody say next to them. Next to them, the Tekoites made Repairs. I, I want you to see something. Four things happen. Four things happen. They built. They fortified. They repaired. They consecrated. And here's how it happened. And if you keep reading, you're going to find out that one of the guys was a perfumer. And he's laying brick. But the thing was, next to. It's so-and-so, next to so-and-so. So-and-so. Next to so-and-so, they were able to follow this, to build, to fortify, to repair, to consecrate. Can I tell you what's needed in your life, in my life, that we would be built, that we would be fortified, that we would be repaired? How many of you know we need some repairs? That we would be repaired and we would be consecrated unto God. And I'll tell you how it happens. It happens when we get next to one another. 
And when we take the time and make the effort and do it in the right way and we get together, I'm telling you what's going to come out of that. What's going to come out of that is you and I are going to be better built, better fortified. We're going to be repaired and we're going to be consecrated. Now, let me boil it down to this. God's system. Everybody say God's system. It starts out with you got to get alone. And something happens when you get alone with your heavenly father. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just telling you this is, this is absolutely so. This is not negotiable here. Because something happens when you're alone with your heavenly father. It's worth it to get up early. It's worth it when you have nobody else looking at you. It'll purify your heart to bow before a holy God. To lift your hands before God. To lift up a little song. And I don't do that loud because people are sleeping. And to listen to his word and say, God, speak to my life. Show me what's going on with me. Show me where I'm an idiot. Show me what needs to change. Teach me what I need to learn. And to spend that time with God and show up again the next day. And show up again the next day. And I'll tell you what, something happens during that time that cannot be found in any other setting of your life. And, and it's a discipline. You don't just stay by yourself. You don't become a hermit. You don't become isolated. But I promise you that the person that never gets that alone time, they don't have anything to offer other people. And the person who never gets that alone time with God, typically they'll drift with, with any other people. The second thing is all together. Everybody say all together. And that's, that's church done right. That's this. That's this. And scripture mandates that we get together and we do this. Y'all give each other about three high fives around you. Come on real quick, everybody. Get, get some high fives of people around you. It's this. Listen, this is to be the habit of your life, the manner, the pattern of your life. Your neighbors that don't go to church yet, they should be able to set their clock. There they go again. And there should be some real fruit in your life because of that. Church done right. Church days affect the rest of your days because something happens in this time. Something happens in this time when we do it right that can't be found in any other setting. And then there's together. Because I'm just like you. Listen to me. I have within me a need to know and to be known. To love and to be loved. And to serve and to be served. And I'll be honest with you, as wonderful as the alone time with God is, as awesome as this is altogether, the only place that is really going to happen in our lives is together. So you know what? I've got a Tim, come here. I gotta have a Tim. I gotta have a Kathy. Come on, walk with me. I gotta have a Peggy. Come on. I need about three of y'all come right here. I got to have it together. Come, come, sweet. You? Are you good? We'll come to you. We'll come to you. Come on, keep walking. Back here. Listen, all of us, I'm going to tell you this about my group, my peeps right here. First of all, I'm going to buy you all a Big Mac. Okay. <laughs> no, but hear this. Every one of us, We've got this need to build and be built, to fortify and be fortified, 
You hear me? To repair and be repaired. To consecrate and help to consecrate. I've got in me, they have in them. I have this need, they have this need to know. I need to know somebody. I need to be known. I need to love. I need to be loved. I need to serve. I need to be served. That is why. That's the why of us having groups. Because we've got to have the alone. We've got to have the all together. And I'm telling you, God's going to do something that's so magnetic and so dynamic that when we do the alone, the all together, church done right, and then groups done right together, that I believe God will repeat Acts 2.47. There's something so incredible happening at that point that the Lord will add daily to the church those that are being saved. What's he doing? Adding to his family so he can take more people home. Amen. 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 Did y'all get anything out of this?